0: You're listening to the Fit, Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between running and positive mental health. We do this by talking to runners from all walks of life who generously share their experiences with us. So you don't miss an episode, I've created an email list for you to join. Check the show notes for more details. Without further ado, I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body podcast. Today we're putting on our running shoes with Peter Wheatley to find out why he took on 60 marathons in 60 days to celebrate his 60th birthday From transforming personal struggles into triumphs to making incredible strides for social justice, Peter's story of resilience, wellness, and community is truly inspiring. Get ready to embark on a journey that will leave you feeling energized and ready to conquer your own marathons, whatever they might look like for you. Let's get started. Today on Fit Mind, Fit Body, I am really excited to introduce you all to Peter Wheatley. Hello, Peter.
1: Hello, how are you doing?
0: I'm really good. It's so good to meet you. Actually, you've had more than one person recommended to you to come onto the podcast over the last little bit. And I thought, oh, I really should get you on. So here you are. So I'm excited to learn more about you. I think we have a lot of mutual Facebook friends because Tasmania is like that. But Yeah. yeah. Anyway, thank you for saying yes. I do appreciate you coming on to share some of your story with us.
1: Thank you too. And, and thanks for sharing an, an interest in an area for which we need far more um, awareness.
0: Absolutely. All right, let's start, Peter, with where did you grow up? Where are you from?
1: Um, I like to consider myself as being Welsh. Um, my parents were in the British Army. Um, my dad was from Northumberland and my mum is from Somerset. Um, but I was born in Wales, so I was there for six months. So therefore I never qualified for the uh, the singing gene nor the uh, rugby gene. Um, so, yeah, I, I was born in Manabir uh, in Pembrokeshire, which is called Little England because it's a fairly big army base there. Okay. Yeah. And then,
0: then where did you go from there? Like if you were only six months when you moved from there? Up, we
1: we moved to Germany. And okay. Like Being in the British Army, we, we kind of occupied you know, the occupying forces, or sort of transition forces, and then yeah. was there for a couple of years and moved back to England and then moved to Kenya. Um, wow. I was, I was there during the Mau Mau uprising um, there for two years and then the British were kind of asked to leave. So then we moved to Aden, uh, Yemen, where um, there's a fairly big war and famine on at the moment, which is nobody talks about and it's pretty oh, awful. Wow. And we, uh, you know, had a couple of hand grenades thrown at the house, and I remember being thinking, "Well, this is pretty ordinary." Um, How old were but, you
0: then? Sorry to interrupt.
1: Oh, I was um, eight then, and okay. the elderly. I was and still am the eldest of four boys. Yep. And. Um, yeah, I, I just thought that was kind of moving around the world was a, a very good experience for us. You know? And then we, I moved back to Germany um, and then we moved, I went to boarding school in England for a couple of years with my brother, Norm, who's a year younger than me. Um, we, my dad's an avid soccer player, nearly became a professional soccer player, and um, but joined the army instead. And, we you know, we had four boys. We had a choice of any game we wanted to play outside as long as it was soccer. Um So, you know, I was pretty poor at soccer, you know, started up the front and I couldn't breathe, so I ended up becoming a defender. Then at 28, found out that I had exercise-induced asthma. Oh, no. Um, so I had, yeah, it was solidly built muscle-wise, but just couldn't breathe. Um, and then, So this was in, West, we moved in 1971, we moved from Germany to um, Perth in Western Australia. Yeah. And as most of uh, what well, a lot of English people did, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, getting used to the heat was interesting, but the, getting used to the freedom was just wonderful. You know, mm-hmm. I particularly didn't like England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I found, uh, well, I found the culture not suited to me as somebody who lived around different parts of the world and was mm-hmm. we were very accepting of different cultures and different ways of living and, you know, different sights and sounds, whereas some people would used to live in the same place all the time. And um, so, therefore, a very insular view. Yeah. Of the world. And that didn't, it was so pleased that my dad made one very brave decision, which was to come to Australia. Okay. I certainly don't think it was easy for him, but um, he maintained a very great interest in soccer and quite rightly so, because my youngest brother, you know, almost became professional. And, uh, oh,
0: wow.
1: Good. So, so that was. So back then, I was just, I guess I was just playing soccer. Um,
0: how, how old were you when you emigrated to Australia?
1: I was fourteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's called ten pound passengers. Um, yep.
0: Um, my, my dad's a pom. He um, yeah, he just got my mum pregnant and then moved to Australia. That's fifty four years ago.
1: <laughs> well, that's that's um,
0: it's a different one.
1: <laughs> a different story, and I guess. Yeah. Hopefully, it was a good decision for them.
0: Of course, yes. Yeah, all um, my siblings believe so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think you know we we are in the lucky country, and I'm um, I'm certainly interested in how the country's going at the moment. And I have particular uh, political views that probably shouldn't air. Mine um, <laughs> is—I mean, I, I have a view, and always had a view that um, the world is small, and we're you know, we're all there's only so many degrees of separation. So even yeah. in boarding school. You know, we it was a small boarding school. It was boys' boarding school, but there were seven or eight girls there, and a lot of the children were from um, Sierra Leone and mm-hmm. uh, Ghana. So, you know, we got uh, a new age. We got inculcated with you know different smells and different cultures and different ways mm-hmm. of living, and um, so that was, you know, I guess I had a very fortunate upbringing.
0: I love
1: that. A fortunate upbringing, also having three brothers and we're all very close together and we're very close um the first three boys lost their hair at an early stage and the youngest one is obviously the Normans because hes still got hair and, uh, <laughs> um yeah and I think you know fun exercise outdoor living has always been part of our life yeah. um, which that might have been the sign of the times but it's how it it's it, it how we grew up
0: yeah, it sounds like your family sort of encouraged that kind of exploration as well by, you know, moving around um, all over the place and then moving to Australia. I think a lot of the British people who moved to Australia, in part, it was the culture here and that was seen to be an outdoorsy type of environment because I guess the weather was conducive to that and- all sorts of other things
1: oh yes, certainly in Western Australia it was and and also grumbling because that's what English people do and my dad was a very good participant of that got so, one of those just too hot anyway um I got married young I got married at 18 and a half yeah uh, after going to a two years of high of high school and yeah. um yeah we in in those days um you used to have a thing called junior wage, so yeah. even, though was, even though I was married, I didn't get paid an adult wage because I was only eighteen. Mm-hmm. So a situation came up where there was this, I was working for the Energy Commission of Western Australia, or it's called the State Electricity Commission back then, and um, yeah, it's a large organisation of nine thousand people, in, and there was one position going that nobody wanted, and it was a payroll officer. Down in Albany, Western Australia, so four hours away from Perth. Um, so we had a, a young Matthew, our eldest, and so off I went. Um, and the interesting thing for me was, that, so then I got the adult wage, but I'm absolutely hopeless with numbers. And but we're dealing with OCR sheets, and my writing's not the best. And also we're dealing with money, and I certainly, you know, I had a little gig at the university, kind of balancing cash tills at university, and all that ever happened to me was I just broke out and sweat and panicked. Um, and when it came to writing, you know, I did English and English literature at school um, in order to get a really good job, and I failed both. Um, oh, oh, no. So I became a clerk, you know, as you do. Um, <laughs> but I, what I did find that I excelled at um, being very interested in people and tr- always don't do the right thing and so, social justice, my social justice kind of work started from there. Um, my ex wife and I, well, my wife at the time moved to, um, from there to Muja Power Station, which is near college. Yeah. And uh, that has a th- was 1,040 megawatts. So it's bigger than all of Tasmania's needs. Wow. And um, I was a station clerk. So the engineer was in charge of all the engineering side, so and I was in charge of everything, admin. So, I started off with one staff member and ended up with 14. Started off oh, with wow. something 200 employees, which I was responsible for, up then to 1,500. So, I got to know a lot of things about people and the differences and how the other race and culture. And, mm-hmm. and it was it was in the time when un- unemployment was really high. So, the government did some really good things. Um, and I just found that even though somebody was unemployed and was on this called the regional the red scheme, regional um, employment uh, development scheme. and there was, They couldn't find work in Perth, so they had to come down and live mm-hmm. in Cotton. And they were fantastic people. And um so I set up um uh an indoor soccer so with you know, using an overlay tennis ball and it's the first yeah. time first time being done in Australia and so I made up the rules and we we played on a indoor tennis court and we just had a, a, a league and that became a bigger league and it, it was just fun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I guess the best thing that happened there, though, was um, my ex-wife decided that, well, we decided it was a good time for her to leave. Okay. Um, so I was a single parent for two years with three kids working full-time and doing long days in a power station 200 kilometres away from any relatives um
0: how old were you then
1: i was um 20 i was 28 and i grew up you know i had a little bit of hair so i've got my blonde tips i've got an earring and that's when i discovered that i had um exercise induced asthma you know i found meditation to be a really good thing because i meditate and fall asleep um so i started to realize that you know i'm in charge of me um Then um, Catherine came into my life. Um, She was, she is, back then she was an occupational health nurse. And her induction into the Energy Commission was actually by my mum, who was an occupational health nurse up in Perth. And so the story goes that my mum's talking about this great guy, and he's got these three beautiful kids, and he's divorced, and he's by himself, and he's, you know, violins going, he's lonely. And so Catherine, of course, took no interest. Uh, Catherine's from Transmania. Um she's from Campbelltown, she's a nurse, um, and, yeah, then she met me and apparently that was the beginning of the end for her. Um, <laughs> so 37 years later, we're still going strong. and oh, that's uh, amazing. We have a very interesting life um, where we both have given each other a gift to live the life you need to lead in order that you have no regrets when you die. Yeah. So, so Catherine lives overseas a lot of the time. So yeah. this year is the first year in t- twelve years that she's actually been home to Hobart in winter. Oh wow! And normally she'd be away for six months of the year. And look, it's it's great. You know, it's a great thing to be able to do because we only do we do only have one life. Yes. Um, and I think when people come to realise that, you should make a decision about every second of your day and live it fully and take responsibility for it. Um, because you know, it will end. Mm. We can choose the life we want to lead up to that um, final point. Um, so that's how, that's our mantra. That's how we live. Um, and we're fortunate to have, um, Catherine's been the mother to, to three children, to mm-hmm. uh, so Matthew, who's, I don't know, he's 45, Joanne is 43, and Andrew's uh, 41, and they're all sensible, sane, as much as a, a weekly can be sane. Mm. <laughs> They're sanish people. Um, and they've learned a lot by Catherine about the, you know, don't, don't live inside the box you live in. Think out what you can yeah. do and what yeah. you can do to make your life and the world a better place. So mm. we, um, whilst we're philosophical, we also do, make decisions and, and do things. Mm. Um, so I'm blessed that way. Um, Catherine's a black and white thinker, so she woke up one day and said, "Pete, you've got a degree in in um, nursing, and I'm a nurse and a midwife, so I think I'll go and get a PhD. in seven years time, I can either wish I had a PhD or, or have or, or have one." So she went off and got a PhD in biochemistry, and um, I love it. And I just think you know, that's kind of inspirational stuff. I live around and. Um, so back to running, I guess. Um when, when
0: did you move to Tassie to start it? Oh, right. About
1: 1986.
0: Okay. Were, were you running prior to that in Western Australia?
1: No. Uh, yeah, doing uh,
0: the indoor soccer.
1: Uh, indoor soccer, that was mm-hmm. about it. But indoor soccer was a main vehicle for having a drink. So
0: Okay, it's a social, <laughs> thing. social very, thing. very Australian, actually, and British. So <laughs> okay.
1: very, very and um and I think you know, it was my family's life mainly centered around alcohol, mine didn't particularly. I didn't, yeah, I enjoyed it, but it didn't seem to do me. I just put on weight and didn't like it. So, um, we moved in about 86 to Launceston, mm-hmm. Um but then kind of Catherine had a really good job in Hobart, so we bought a house in Hobart, and I was doing really, I was doing a disability work and you know, helping people in out of beds and I found that really, really rewarding but it mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't ever going to be a career. So I thought I I heard on the radio that there was nursing wanted um more nurses and it was yeah. the first it was going through the university now bearing my Catherine's hospital train um I kind of rang up and said I really really want to be a nurse so they said come on you know the course is two weeks old but you can come in so my, that's probably one of the only times I actually made a decision by myself that uh, consulting Catherine and you know, give her credit, she was very respectful of my decision. Um, I don't think it, it wasn't easy because I'd have to catch a bus up to Launceston um, every week and come back. And but during the week, we had no phone. Um, Catherine had three children that she'd only known for a year, and because she, she was, we got. She was 23 when we got married and she, what? yeah. And um, we also had a little beagle, of course, and the beagle always got out. So it was it was a really tough life, especially given that this job that she had as a domiciliary nurse um, was what she really loved doing. So mm. she worked full-time, brought the kids, and I just went up to Launceston on a bus with the 140 women and 14 blokes, you know. Wow. But, That's
0: amazing.
1: <laughs> but it it certainly made me put in my nose to the grindstone and study. Yeah. Um, so I came out with a, a degree in nursing and got a job in Launceston at the mm-hmm. first-year graduate program for the LGH and mm-hmm. still not exercising. Um Did a lot of bushwalking in Launceston. Launceston yes. is a fantastic place to go up to the, the tiers and do. It is. beautiful. And we, we had a great deal of time doing that. And also... Our next door neighbour Richard Fife was a it was and is a cyclist. So yeah. I suddenly had this ancient stainless steel bike that um, we couldn't afford, but and anyway, I did it, and we went cycling. And this is when interest rates were seventeen percent. You know, so one week of your wage would go to pay the mortgage. We were lucky to have food. So um, you know, we had a. An old Falcon with no reverse gear, so you just you find a way to park the car. So, or but you got on some of the big hills, or just sometimes you think you're lucky. you've Got some free kids, so everyone can push. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so um, I think you know those were fun times. You get know, a lot of baking and cooking and preserving. <laughs> yeah, all that. Yeah, so you you've been there and done that. You know, necessity is a mother yeah. of invention, yeah. and still, you know we. Actually, the only soccer I played was with, uh, there's an amateur league. Um, so we used to go and train with the people from the Golden um, Golden Sea Dragon restaurant on a Sunday because it's the only time that they could train and then wow. go to their place and have quite a bit of cognac because apparently <laughs> they liked it. So, th- so that was all good fun. Um, and, of course, the children were doing their, their thing around swimming and cycling and Joanne mm-hmm. was doing rowing. Um, And, you know, as we're time poor, you know, Joe would have to walk down to the Tamar rowing sheds by himself at at a young age in the early hours of the morning, and I guess times were different. Um, We wouldn't do it again, um, but I think times were certainly different then. And I remember vividly Andrew, the youngest one, being five and trying to play soccer, and all he did was just stand there and the ball went around him and he just said, Great game. So he became a young man who just was not interested in team sports. So he yeah. did a lot, a lot of um, rollerblading and skateboarding and really adventurous, dangerous stuff. Whereas Matthew, being the eldest and the responsible one, would do soccer and sea and scouts and so on. So we, they were good. Um, moving, I guess, on is um, an opportunity came up for. I worked, that's right, I worked for the health department. I managed the nursing human resources at the LGH and made that that redundant. Then I became manager of disability services for the state government up north, northern region. So I was one of the three managers that helped close Willow Court. And so we built the the community uh, organisations in Launceston, uh, the homes and respite centres and so on. And that was exciting. It was really, you know, it was a job I really loved um, at that time. Catherine's still studying. I've been working in disability group homes before that, um, so no time for study because you're too busy making, trying to make money to study and to keep the family alive. And you know, when a, the youngest mm-hmm. drinks, I to the milk on the weekend. You know, got to get yep. them somewhere. So we've no time for exercise. Catherine used to exercise because. We should walk from West Launcester to the hospital to do a midwifery. Yeah. Um, I didn't. And um, I just think um those were times that yeah, they were hard, but they made you more lean in how you spent your time and how you um exercised your the family relationships. So you know, put a screwdriver through the television. So for eight years, we didn't have a television, um, but we had to talk. We always said grace before before dinner was put on the table. So it was a bit like on your Mars get set go. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: the grace stopped as soon as the children left home. Um, and I, I just think it was, yeah, for the formative years, kind of with the backbone of who the children and who Catherine and I are. um, yeah and never, never, never ever stopped thinking about what can you do for other people? Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know whether it was us or whether the times are different, but um, then the, the state government decided in the wisdom that they need to get rid of Hobart bureaucrats so that my position somehow became redundant. So I spent seven months doing uh, as a public servant with a car, with a brick phone. And um. But no portfolio so i built two children's um respite centers and um found money for it somewhere and then the time was to go to hobart and on the way to hobart because so Catherine can finish phd in biochemistry we rented a house in sandy bay swearing never to live there again because it was a horrible place and people were you know, snobby and horrible <laughs> um, we live there now um <laughs> of course <laughs> but um yeah, so chat got challenged because I had to find work um, and yeah. I got a bit of a small redundancy, so I said to Catherine, I want to set up my own business. I've always wanted to do this. She said, good, follow your dream. So I, in my mind, I purchased, purchased a BMW, a couple of Hugo Boss suits, rented an office, and, and so Catherine said, no, here's $500 to get you started and I need $500 a week to run the family so I listened to what Catherine says obviously <laughs> so it drove me to do some things that I, I hadn't that I hated doing so I went into um, training people around safety and then safety inductions so even though I've done it in the power station for years I I had a, um I was quite nervous around mm-hmm. the station especially on topics that I wasn't particularly familiar with mm-hmm. but I did that for quite a while and then, sides up a rehab business and we're now 25 years next year um down the track of running PeopleWorks. um so i'm pretty pumped I, I, awesome do I you hate get long boss.
0: service leave
1: <laughs> long nervous leave <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like the boss uh, but, but yeah well
0: what can you but, do
1: but that's me so <laughs> um the other boss Catherine, is brilliant. Um, She's our moral compass and keeps us on the straight and narrow. Um, so we're a very values-based organisation um, around, definitely around um, UN principles around human rights and mm-hmm. um, eradication of poverty and so on. Yeah. Um, so the business grew, grew and waned and grew and waned, and um, I'm really happy with all the people who have worked here, the people who have left needed to leave, and some of that was developing people so they could have their own business. And some of it was having conversations with people so they they convinced themselves they weren't the right fit. Um, And I think in that, uh, one of the blessed thing, blessedly good things about Tasmania is I think the degrees of separation is very small. So you find out a lot about the good people in town, the good Practitioners, and I mean, can also work the other way. But you're always pushing yourself to do good yeah. and to do great work. Whether that's coaching somebody that you've known who's got knock knees and but wants to run a marathon, so you find a creative way to overcome the knock knees so that she can run her marathon, and then you know it's her her achievement, not mine. But she's done that. Yeah. Um, so running. Um, how did
0: running fit into what sounds like a, a action-packed yeah. you know, single dad, then not single dad, then taking on different degrees and learning stuff, then starting a business and moving and like lots yeah. of times there's a lot of packed in there, Peter. Well, yeah, it? I think what
1: well, it was when I was, um, I got married at 30 mm-hmm. and the children left home. Um and then, so we just have Catherine and I, and when I talk a lot about the emptiness syndrome, and we were starting to experience that. And I'd been traveling the state delivering medication programs to, for people in group homes. And yeah. you know, it's great if I'm away from home and there's two pizzas for the price of one, well, I'll have that. Um, yeah. So I end up getting rather porky. And Catherine turned to me and she said, um, Peter, that's my name, um, which meant I've done something wrong. Um, I just want to grow old with you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, so the subtext of that was I don't want to look after you when you're disabled, you fat bastard. Yeah. Now, that's my yeah, It's not Catherine's, but it was about saying, look, you need to look after yourself. Yeah. Um, so a friend of ours um, said, just do you want to come for a run?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That you wanted to go for a swim, and I used to be a swimmer when I was a, a, in for two years at high school. Set an inaugural record for fifty meter breaststroke. Awesome! <laughs> we the first time they ever had the race. So, and um, yeah. and then took us for a bike ride, and then suddenly we both Kath <laughs> and I doing a small okay. track run. <laughs> I go whoa! So, <laughs> how, how old were you then? Um, uh, I was. I
0: was 48. 48. So that's 19 years ago. And you had um, started your business then. So you were, you know, your time was your own, but that's not really true. We just know that when you're a business Uh, owner, you just have lots of little bosses instead of one big boss. That's right. (laughs) However... Your time, your time was your own well you're a bit more flexible perhaps
1: <laughs> well well no i guess with triathlon you they have this weird thing that they need to start swimming before anybody else has even had a, their first coffee yeah. so it's like six o'clock in the morning you have the pool and um and so then we did this small triathlon so you know but catherine and i we didn't realize this but we're reasonably competitive i know i'm competitive there's a ball in front of me i'll chase it um
0: yeah
1: um but two into three didn't go, so Catherine ended up doing her three bits of triathlon, and I ended up doing mine. But then I found the short triathlons just—I kept on coughing up blood. It, it didn't wasn't a good experience for me. I mean, I put effort in. But, um, so we kind of moved away from the short distance into Olympic, and then into the half iron, and into full iron. And what we we had a, a really good friend who. We still have a good friend who's um, re- very. He's an ex-copper and he's really motivating. So he mm-hmm. was talking about eighty percent of your training should be at eighty percent of your heart rate, so yeah. that you don't get tired, you don't get injuries, and you actually enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. So I took that to heart, and I went off and did a an adult ed course on how to run a marathon.
0: You can do I- that. There's an adult ed course on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No way. Yeah, it was over a weekend and it was absolutely brilliant. Um, I learned so much about what to do and what not to do. And I took it, it just, there was a guy there whose no name I forget, but he'd done quite a few marathons and was saying, you know, this is how you do it. Then I met um, Emma Wheatnauer, who's um Tasmania's first uh fire, female fire person. And she'd done um, Hawaii Ironman about eight times as a professional athlete. And she said, you know, out of every race you do, if you do 20 races, if you get it right once, you're, you're, you're lucky. Yeah. You know, or your food goes or your fluid goes. And I thought, well, that's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> but <laughs> she's absolutely right. <laughs> can, there is no such thing as a perfect race until you only get it once. Yeah, and, um,
0: things outside of your control as well. In oh, all that, so many
1: things, so many things. But what I did find, and it was just what I practice when when I coach people, is that your mindset is the most important thing.
0: Mm.
1: Um, yes. If you plan for it to be a disaster, it will be. Mm. But if you plan for the worst, and and try to find a strategy to mitigate that, the likelihood it won't happen. Um, so I've run quite a few perfect races um, in my head, <laughs> not many in real life. Um, so we, yeah, so we sort of moved on to um, Catherine did six Iron Men, quite a few uh, Olympic distance. She beat. She's quite proud that she beat. So we used to have a little Iron Man Olympic distance in Hobart, which was a qualifier for the Olympic team. Oh. Wow. Um, so that was really exciting, and Catherine did that. And she, you know, for somebody who doesn't think she's a runner, you know, she came second overall and was quite happy with that. But exactly. she, there was a really good Iron Half Ironman in up in Devonport, and this mm-hmm. is the days when you had to qualify to do an Ironman. Mm-hmm. If you didn't qualify by credit card like you do now. It was you had to be first, second or third in your race, and then there were slots that you went down for roll downs. Yeah. And, and Catherine has a great um, propensity to vomit after a race. Um, she's really good at that. Um, okay. So she, I was in hospital with her after this particular race up in Devonport and um, I hadn't done I done very well, but she won her race. And um, so they did the roll down and... Um, the compare kind of said, "Ah, oh, yes, Catherine's in hospital?" Oh, Peter's want to roll down too. So we both did a Fort Mac- um the Fort Macquarie Ironman together for the first time. Um, oh, wow! And so it's really lucky, and we met some really good friends there who we're still friends with. And but then you have to then get into the difference of training for a half Ironman is not twice when you full Ironman. So you just got to train differently, and smarter, and mm. do twenty-five hours of training a week. And we just found time to do that. Mm-hmm. But so I guess my journey with Iron Men is I've done 30 Iron Men. I've had the privilege of doing the Hawaiian Iron Man. Yeah. yeah. Then went on to do Ultraman, which is a 10 kilometer swim, 380 kilometers on the bike, then a double marathon to finish. I've managed to do four of those. Peter Hoskinson, who you must interview. Um, was my running coach, and he took me through um, how to do a double iron man on day three, um, in under nine hours. Um, wow. and at that time, I was sixty-five. Wow! So I'm pretty pumped because I am the world champion at my age group. It only means that forty people have done it in my age group. So
0: <laughs> I just love that, though. This actually maybe that's the new bar. Because I've been running well, since my 20s. And for me, I've always been a middle of the pack kind of runner, but I'm quite, I have a competitive thing in my head. And so it was like, I mm. can't wait till uh, everyone like I can be the best in my age group because everyone will just drop off. But it just seems like everybody's running and all of the good runners are still running. And the ones, you know, there are plenty of people who are 20, 30 years older than me who are running much faster than I have ever been. <laughs> So I'm thinking I'm never getting there, but maybe the difference is you've got to find those distances or those events that um people as they get older aren't doing.
1: <laughs> you know, like you get one that's quite boring. well, I didn't do it on purpose, but I was just
0: saying not to understate your achievement at all. I didn't mean no, it like
1: that. No, no. Um, <laughs> um, I guess that, that event came about. Um we had a we had Craig Percival as our coach. And Craig oh. was absolutely adamant that people should do Ultraman, um, you know, still to this day, you know, we have two years because he died very young um, of a, a, a blood illness and, yeah, kind of one of those things you still don't want to take the message out of your phone because yeah. he was a beautiful man and he ended up doing uh, an Iron Man in every state.
0: Cool.
1: Day after day after day and... So to run around Hobart with him and his kids just you know, get tingles. Yeah. So he's trained. He trained a lot, lot of Hobart people in in the in the Ironman distance stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as actual running goes, um, we have a lot of good friends, uh, Cameron and Shane particularly we run with, and then Peter Hoskinson if you want to do some mm-hmm. really. Really cute, interesting stuff. Peter's Mm -hmm. probably one of the people that um, you don't hear much about because he just does weird things. Like I've supported him and Cameron Crawford and running from Devonport to Dover and Dover to Devonport, yeah, that kind of stuff. Um, Or running from Swansea to Strawn at three hundred and sixty-five k's. I got to one hundred and forty, and no, I had a Baker cyst that burst. I was so glad it burst. (laughs) <laughs> it was pretty hard. Thank um, <laughs> But in endurance running is different. You know, I mm. helped, went to Adelaide and helped Peter run around the Formula 1 track. Um, he did six days. I did two. Um wow. Ran one-kilometre track, ran around in circles. Now, you'd have, this might tell you a bit about me is you'd have to say, how could you do that when mm. you've got one-kilometre one track and you just run around in circles? Twelve hours later, somebody blows a whistle and you turn and run the other way. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I've done 12-hour, I've helped, actually I've only been in a team for over six hours and I've counted laps here when we were doing, we did 12-hour ones here a long time ago and um, so I've seen people doing it, but they changed every two hours
1: (laughs) direction. Uh, uh, In in these events, I just, I don't know whether you found the same, I found that I anticipated for the two hours before the whistle went, oh, it's going to be so good when we go the other way then you turn around and go to the way you get the next two hours you can pass they it. just so change the way I'm running I' am just not running properly
0: this is fair what's going yeah.
1: on but, so, but for me, for me the good thing was that every 1.1 kilometers there was a food station so yeah. I, I got to eat and drink and it was wonderful um so the,
0: the 400 meter track yeah it was every
1: yeah every few minutes really
0: <laughs> that's the food and-
1: like I would that, think that would be very, very hard. I mean, I've I've done a couple of fun ones, and uh, they're pretty hard to do, and um, but congratulations to people who do them, um, because it, it is really there's a lot of mindsets you've got to take, yeah. and I guess I never get bored. Um, I am blessed with a poor memory, um, particularly when it comes to pain. Um, you know. Craig always used to say, and Peter says, your pain is your friend. He just yeah. embraced it. And Peter Hoskins has always said, if you're sore running one way, run a different way. Um, yeah. And so you take some of those what might seem to be trite uh, stories and you, you make them your own as you go along. But I think that the important thing is to visualise the race, visualise how you're feeling, visualise what can go wrong, and visualise mm. how you're going to overcome those. Sometimes it's really good just to tell a story to somebody, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember doing an Ironman in, so I did, might have done 11 hours in Melbourne,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and then I went to Perth in Western Australia to do a, a half Ironman. I was racing against a young guy called Cameron Crawford.
0: Mm-hmm. No,
1: no, Cameron Wells, and um, so his next copper, and he's 20 years younger than me, and I was ahead of him, ahead of him on the bike, and yeah. I thought, this is awesome, and then you've got to run three laps. And I was ahead of him on two laps, and then he just looked at me and said, hey, you're going to lose. I go, oh, okay. <laughs> so I saw a psychologist afterwards and said, why don't I want to win? And I realised it, it's, to me, it's not about winning. It's about the journey. It's about sharing the stories. It's about really getting in touch with the team, people around you, and just sharing in their their joy of you doing something. Mm-hmm. Um you know at home we've got lots of medals and gongs and so on and and I mean that, that just shows that we spent a shed load of money on doing races. Mm-hmm. And probably the one I'm proudest of is the one that is a big t-shirt on the wall which really? is yeah it's a this is for it's Catherine's t-shirt. It's a Bruni Island one. So it's 64, 65 Ks. She did herself. I was a support crew and just kept on thinking this is from a woman who hadn't run until she was 42. Wow. And you go, wow, well done, you know. And I was part of that. I'm really pumped by that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So what do you think drives you, if not both of you? Is it, it sounds like some of, a lot of the journey, although you have separate paths, You've been on a lot of it together in some one way or another. Um, what do you think drives you guys to want to? Is it I mean, you said you started because, you know, she said, maybe you, you know, I want to grow old with you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um well, there is an exhilaration in in running. There's a better, a bigger exhilaration in not running to a point where you are so shagged that you can't do anything for a week. Mm-hmm. There's something pleasurable about it. just the joy of being out. Um, I do enjoy what I call the wee factor yeah. when you get to, you know. You, I remember doing a Christmas run with Peter Hoskinson, and it was started out at his place, and we're doing six and a half kilometres an hour running. Mm-hmm. I'm going, who is this guy? I know he's a great runner. But then we went to the, the hill near the, the pool and we're running, we're in circuits up around this hill and they're running they're running like four kilometers up a hill and I'm doing five But and then I'm doing six. <laughs> and it was just like, these are people, this is like they wanted to chat to do a warm-up
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: and to wish each other a happy Christmas. So it's those things about, yes, we have a plan, but it's not necessarily sticking to it, it's saying what is the plan about? If the plan gets in the way of you're enjoying something, change the plan because mm-hmm. running, while sometimes it might hurt, while sometimes, you know, they might get a niggle here and niggle there, and sometimes it might be minus two outside, um, it's about just enjoying it
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and enjoying it with people. I, I train with people and I really find that part enjoyable and mm-hmm. um, I like the feeling of coming back home and feeling yes, you know, feeling up. I like the fact that then my metabolism's quite metabolism's quite a bit better, so I can eat whatever I like, but also find that I don't eat all the crap yeah. because I know that it's going to spoil the training for the next day, or in my case, spoil the swimming or the or the cycling. For us both, it's um, we get an opportunity to be with each other. Mm-hmm. Sometimes talk, sometimes not talk. Sometimes you can solve all the problems of the world. <laughs> sometimes you create them.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> um, I, I guess where it became amplified to me is the the absolute joy of running um, was in 2016. I did a I decided to do a marathon a day for 60 days to celebrate my 60th birthday.
0: That's amazing.
1: Well, it, I thought it was going to be amazing, but Catherine said, no, you're not doing it. Oh. And I said, well, why is that? She said, well, you, you're doing, you want to do it to raise money for our charity. So Catherine has a charity where she um, builds wells in Ethiopia. It's called yep. Water for a Village, um, .net if you're interested. It's a-
0: we'll put the link in the show notes.
1: And we decided with this charity that every cent you raise goes to the people in Ethiopia, mm-hmm. and we talk to our children and their inheritance pays for all the running costs and admin costs. So it was really a unique charity and it's now put in water for 54,000 people
0: oh, in, wow.
1: in, and it's celebrating its tenth year. Um,
0: Amazing.
1: So I'm I'm pretty excited about that but. I, mm. The distance between where the first well was built, so that's at three and a half thousand meters above mm-hmm. sea level, and to where I guess the base the, the nearest village was was 40 kilometers. Mm-hmm. So I thought well, maybe that's an analogy. That's why I came up with a marathon.
0: Yeah.
1: Um but Catherine said, look, if it's about charity, then it's got to be something different. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, not about you. So I said, Well, I how about I do Oh, I don't know. i do a month of marathons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay. So, I did 40 because I'm not very good at counting. So, <laughs> I, I did 40 marathons in 40 days. They weren't all straight marathons. Sometimes they were, might do a half marathon and then do, a bit later on in the day, a half marathon. I was working as well. So, wow. so I made myself into a university um, study. Um, where because I was 60, so it's just like you're crazy for doing this. But um the university came on board, so I had bone density, I had blood tests, I had um my heart tested all the time and my respiratory function tested, and I had to give a food diary and a sleep diary. And it turned out that it was really good. And so my bone density improved. Um Catherine's also amongst, as well as being a nurse and a midwife and Studying two master's degrees at the moment and PhD. She's also a nutritionist. Um, she d- doesn't stop. Um, she was really keen for me not to do this as a weight loss exercise. Yeah, I was really, I was really keen to do it for that. So <laughs> I lost. So I lost two kilograms of visceral fat and one kilogram of external fat. Wow! Which is amazing. Um, so. It didn't achieve my aim, but I, I achieved lots of other aims. I talked to like 3,000 people, was on the radio all the time. We raised about $18,000 just by talking to people. That's and, fantastic. Yeah. And I think, but it wasn't hard. This is mm. the thing. This is this is the thing that got me. It was not hard because every day I'd look up the mountain. I think the people were But bear in mind, that I'd never, I hadn't been to Ethiopia. This is, this, this is the mountain that's where Catherine goes is two and a half times that, mm. and these people have nothing, and the mountains are steep, and the women are carrying water, mm. 25 kilograms of water, and they're back up these steep mountains three or four times a day. They're not going to school. They're not eating. Their children are getting diseased water, and you have diarrhoea kills 2 billion, sorry, mm. di- diabetes, sorry, diarrhea impacts on two billion people in the world every day yeah you know, that's a third of the world's population suffers from diarrhea due to dirty water and so I was just able to tell people these stories and I would run and I'd meet Rick Goddard and I'd meet there or something like that <laughs> and it was um but on top of that you know I just found that because I was so relaxed and wherever I I would say to Catherine, I'm, I'll meet you over the other side of the river and she'd go, okay, I'll follow you. And, and then I'd be able to have a, an egg sandwich and a cuddle and then i have a drink of coffee with her. Oh, she's got this great, if you ever want to do endurance running, have Catherine's nutritionist. So she'd yeah. have, have, have a hot coffee with a ice cream dunked in it. What? <laughs> best, best thing ever. Energy food.
0: <laughs> I so like, so like Coca Cola at the thirty-two uh, k
1: mark, thirty-six k yeah. mark. Or, or in Iron Man, used to say the Vegemite for you at thirty-six k and what it was with a lollipop stick, with a stick of Vegemite. <laughs> bit of Vegemite like that. Not appealing at all. I I'm, I grew very fond of um, boiled egg sandwiches. Um, you know, my staple. Oh, wow. um, we made yeah. lots, but made lots of new friends through yeah. this. Um, still still good friends like, who were starting off their racing and said, can I come for a run with you? And I go, sure. And I'm not going very fast. Well, I, my sort of times were, I, I did 44 kilometres every day yeah. because I thought my Garmin might be dicky. Um, so I, I think my fastest was, my slowest was five hours 36 and my fastest was... Um, I averaged 429 for, for um, running 44Ks every day. And I'm not a runner. I don't accept myself as a runner.
0: Mm-hmm. What I
1: did get, though, was superb sponsorship from um, Steigen Socks and also from The Running Edge. I, was, I think I was the first person in the state to use so many Hocus. I used to get a pair <laughs> of hockers every week. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and and though th- they were great. Yeah. Um, and we sort of had more and more people coming along for the journey. We've got t-shirts made up, of course, and yeah. really good sponsorship from some companies. And I, I just thought it. To me, for me, it was an out of body experience most of the time. I was, mm. I, but it made me realise one thing that we haven't spoken about is the runners high.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I used to think that the runners got the high when they cross the finish line. Yeah, in actual fact, you don't. Mm-hmm. You get it all the way through, especially if you're willing to accept it because with the high comes the low. Mm. So it's, what are you doing with the, when the low comes? And so when the low came is I would, and one of my colleagues taught me this, he said, you you just aim for something. So you're not mm-hmm. far lacking as such, but you might aim for that next power pole and the one after So you you go, you do two steps forward Mm. and then say, Do I want to do two steps forward again? And so he's always just doing short bites. So even in a marathon, a marathon is not a long distance. It's lots of short distances added up. And so that's where my mindset came with the with the with the when I got the lows. And so I had this thing, it's a three F's. If I if I wasn't having fun, it was probably due to food and it might have been due to that I had the fear of that I was going to fail. Mm. So I just worked through it and say, and go, is my body okay? My body's okay. Well, then I must be hungry. Yeah. So drink or already. Or i to give myself a little challenge to say, just run 10 steps faster and then just go back to your normal pace. So you do all these little tricks in your head and because it's only your head that needs to be convinced that what you do.
0: There's a lot of amnesia, and we talked about that before as well, I think, that happens. And it doesn't just happen when you've completed the run and you forget all the bits that were not so fun. It also can happens in the middle of it. Like, you know, one minute you're feeling like this is, like, horrible. Why am I doing it? And you're almost talking yourself out of it. And then five minutes down the track, you're like, oh look, it's a beautiful bird, and the sky is amazing, and I feel really good, and I'm flowing now. So it's it, and you forget that five minutes ago it felt crap.
1: Yeah, you, know, you
0: have that kind of amnesia, even yeah, out there.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I think it's where you do what's called getting in the state, mm. but also recognizing that sometimes you're not in the state. Yep. So, and it's about how do you manage the not in the state business because there's usually something happening. Mm-hmm. And it, so, an example, if I can give you an example with me, is Catherine had done the um Brunei Island run, I was really really pumped with her. Mm-hmm. The next year, I went with a good friend, and we ha- had a headwind going across the the peninsula of the isthmus. Yes, and mm-hmm. I got to the, the end of the isthmus and just heading up into the forest. You know, I was flying, I was getting okay, but um, Catherine said to me, um, Peter, you you were pretty cranky with me at the last food stop. And I thought, I said, oh, was I? She said, yeah. I said, oh, well, I don't want to be cranky, so I stopped. I, said, I haven't finished the race <laughs> because oh, it was you more- actually
0: stopped. Oh, you, didn't, you didn't just stop being cranky, you stopped the race. Stopped
1: wow. the race, pulled out. And now it wasn't Catherine didn't say pull out. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. she was probably disappointed that pulled out, but to me it was about I have utmost respect from for my partner that, yeah. I'm not gonna be cranky with it. I don't need to be. It was I I'd lost the fun. Yeah. And I hadn't had a plan B for what happens if I lose the fun. Yeah. Other than pull out. And I to this day I don't regret it. It's a big call and it's a good call.
0: One of the things that I'm developing at the moment um is mindful running and my yeah. strategies for mindful running. And a lot of that is is what you're talking about. Um, but for those things and to practice those times, it's it mindfulness tells us that they're going to come, whether you like it or not. And just like you said, um, practicing for it. So when it comes to mindfulness, yes, we let them come and, but we don't focus on it. We don't give it lots of attention. We're just like, yes, we know you're here at the moment. We know that it feels crap right now. That's fine. I'm still going. Cause that's my goal is to whatever your goal is. And um, yeah, you can be here for as long as you need, but you know that negative feeling or whatever's going on. And as long as it's not a an injury or whatever, so that doing body scans and things like that while you're running, yeah. um, I think, yeah, it's a lot of synergy for what you were saying there, and I think that's how we get through those those times.
1: Yeah, and I think it's got to be an internal motivator. I, I'm. Mm. We, we were taught when we were doing Ironman to put, you know, you're running for your loved one, put a picture on. I, I have never found that to be of any use at all. Mm. Um, you've actually got to be selfish. It's yeah. about why Why am I doing this? It's because I'm awesome and I want to be more awesome uh, or I want to just feel, I mean, I chase the pain. I really chase the pain. Yeah. I think it's going to hurt. So what am I going to do when it hurts? Well, I have this idea that, you know, I'll take, some, I'll have some Panadol or i have some ibuprofen or something, mm-hmm. but I'll also have some drink or also have some diversion. Yeah. But I know it's going to hurt, but it's not bad. I mean, I'm, I'm not sitting on the couch getting um, a thumb injury from pressing the remote control. Yeah. I'm out there doing stuff. I'm out there, in the, whether it's the fresh air or whether it's cars around everywhere, if you're doing a city marathon, it's about chasing, knowing what you want. Mm. Sometimes it's about that. I remember one, the second man I did was with a good friend in Melbourne who was really quite... Um, I guess gay adverse and shy, and, and mm-hmm. but we crossed the line together. And I held this, I made sure my vision was I'm gonna hold this guy's hand. <laughs> we're not gay, but we're really good friends. <laughs> but I just want to show, mate, I love you. And here it is. <laughs> look what like you did. Look what you did. And I thought, ah, to this day, he still calls me lots of names. But <laughs> so you find fun. Um, we, we. All of us, the cohort that I train with, talk to people. We we laugh at people. We shout. I remember I did the I've done the Point to Pinnacle five or six times, and I went with my my mate Shane. It was his birthday. He's a really good runner, and we were and I'm he's twenty years younger than me. We're running up this mountain, and I just thought you get past the springs, it gets a bit cold, it gets a bit. Who you know, you get your head goes funny because you're actually going slower and the walkers are going just about the same pace as you. But I turned around, ran backwards and and started singing happy birthday. Aww. And for him, he stopped. I tried to get him to carry on, but you know, he'd stopped. He was emotional about it. And I I just said, Oh well, I'm gonna I'll go to the top anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. It was about it's a race, you know. Um, but I think um, you know you ch- you chase those things that are important to you, and you have to find what it is. Um, one of the one of my, my I think the about the twentieth, uh, yeah, so twentieth of October it was my um, my twentieth marathon. I'd had people around. You know, we've been able to go out and have steak and potatoes and eat a lot more and. I've been through all the tests with the with the university and the, and the hospital and but I woke up crabby and what, what you'll find with me is if I'm happy, it's authentic. Mm. If I'm crabby, it's the best crabby you'll get.
0: Oh, okay. I'm
1: I'm pretty switched on and take responsibility with my emotions and it's like, no, I'm feeling crabby today. So I put my two-liter backpack on and I ran to Blackness Bay over over <laughs> Bonnet Hill and came back and Catherine said to me you okay now? Yeah, good. But you've got another ten k to go. <laughs> so yeah. You're still crabby. Go away. <laughs> but you know, I think sometimes you've got to do the solo stuff and get into your own head. Yeah. And that, um, feel your heart rate. Feel what it, what it feels like to put yourself under pressure, and in, in enjoy it, hate mm-hmm. it at the same time.
0: There's so much like in a lot of that you've been saying about the journey which mm. I love and it really resonates with me. But also I listen to a lot of eBooks about, you know, mindfulness and all of that because that's my thing and running in particular. And the fact that our bodies are have not changed in thousands and thousands and thousands of years, nor has our brains, um, mm. and that we were designed to run because that's how we didn't get eaten. That's how we caught our food. Um, there's a lot of things that are that ha- that we already have that innately that we don't connect with that much in our current society, because we're so in our culture, because we're so full of all these other things that these opportunities. and I think I feel like that's why running seems in my brain anyway that lots of people are running now and that it's it seems to have taken off. And I have heard it explained. That it's potentially because we're so far removed from what our genetics, our DNA is programmed us to be like, that we're searching for those opportunities to, as you've been expressing, push ourselves to, to the limit a little bit physically uh, rather than sitting on the couch all the time. We are, we're searching. If that makes yeah. sense. Our modern yeah. people are.
1: I, I think that's right. And we can search by artificial means, like through drugs and through alcohol and whatever. Um, I, I think if you, if on terms of, in terms of community, I think it's a, mm. a better way to go, um, whether it's somebody starting walking for the first time, whether it's somebody running at 10 kilometres an hour or whether it's 8 kilometres an hour, it, to me it doesn't really matter as long as you're moving forward mm. and you're moving forward and you're doing it with purpose, you will innately feel better. Mm-hmm. Now, we'll always compare ourselves to other people, and there are always people far better than us. Oh, yeah. So it's have really got to be satisfied with what we're doing and what were we doing yesterday that we could be doing tomorrow because, to me, that's mm-hmm. that's a journey, as you say, mm-hmm. it's a journey man. You know, I was, I think I was 84 kilos when I first started running, when I started doing the month of marathons, I was 74 I'm, I'm now, I don't exercise at the moment because I've had a, I've got some chronic pain issues, but mm-hmm. that's not related to running. Some people tell me it is, and I <laughs> they get stuck into them because running has been nothing but good for me. Mm-hmm. It's given me friendships. It's given me a place to travel. I've got lots of new clothes and shoes and bling, um, which is awesome. Um, um, and I think... I mean, I'm not a person who does numbers. I mean, Peter Hoskinson can tell you, can run past you and tell you what speed you're doing. I mean, it's how how talented he is. I, I don't. I just I'm don't particularly really even care. Yeah. Um, uh, just so long as I'm moving forward. Um, yeah. but in the month of marathons, for example, I had four more marathons to go, and I ended off with the point to pinnacle. Yeah. So I ran 21Ks in the morning and then did the point to pinnacle. And it was a really wet day, so unfortunately it didn't, we didn't go to the top. went to fern tree and came I down. Came back down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I collapsed at the finish line because I actually broken my pelvis. Um, but I'd, I'd actually broken it four, four marathons before. But because I was having massages every day, they're saying, Pete, we have got tight tendons. Now, they knew I'd fractured. I fractured; had a stress fracture with a pubic ramus, so... But you just you just go through it. Now maybe that's stupid. I don't know, but I had a goal. I had was doing the running for other people.
0: Yeah. It was an
1: external expression of what I was doing. Now, those people would never know what I what I did. They'd never even understand. I mean, they find, for example, in Ethiopia that we Westerners would put our bikes on a roof rack, drive two kilometers to start going the bike track and they go. Yeah. But you've got a bike. So weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what are you swimming for when you're not catching fish? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> or swimming away from a shark? Um, and so I, I do think we it is about the mind that you want to create,
0: mm. and it's
1: about how. We, but there's also then underneath all that, it's about how you want to feel and how you want to look and. And who you want to be with. So I, I've i trained quite a few people, and it's been done just because it's fun. Um, I love running with our grandkids. Um, I, I'm an accredited coach, but I don't kind of use that anymore because it's, it's, uh, no one's asked me. They do <laughs>
0: <laughs> they might now.
1: <laughs> well, I'm more into my the, the social justice enterprises that we're developing down here through our business about getting people with disability into full employment. Um, it's a bit of a focus. And I mean, I also, I guess it also is a, what, can your running be an addition to what you do in your daily life? Mm-hmm. And or can it be, an expression of what you really like to do for society. Mm. Because just the mere fact of you running in a community can actually be a, you don't know, if you talk about it as being um, primary healthcare, Mm. we don't know what the payback is. Somebody could see you running and a month later say, I saw you running. Mm -hmm. She weren't going very fast. a big smile on your face you were at a coffee shop that could be fun, exactly. so it's about we, we don't know what the impact we have. You can't measure I, it, no, no, no. And I, but I think measuring things in racing and in gongs is good for some people, and it's good mm-hmm. for some people at some times. Yeah, it's, re- it's really useful as a training tool, um, to know what your baseline is, and then go mm-hmm. and but it's whatever floats your boat. Mean, and it's also, I think, very important to tap into what you're naturally good at. Yeah, I believe I'm naturally good at long distance, slow heart rate, Mm -hmm. plenty of time to drink and eat and talk. Some good friend of mine who does the same, he's really good at sprinting.
0: Okay,
1: our son Matthew is good at running up hills. Yeah, I. I don't like running up hills, but they're there, so you've got to do them. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a good friend who's really good at cross-country running. And so you so you find those things that you're not really comfortable with and go with them yeah. and see what happens. You never know.
0: You know, it's all part of the journey, isn't it? Like there's no destination. Actually, that's part of that journey thing that I wanted to say before too. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, there are many people who's, and some people who are, naturally gifted and i want to represent australia or whatever then yeah they do have to focus on a certain thing but for us our amateurs is don't set up an end point of saying oh, i must be able to run four minute kilometers just start and see what happens and enjoy that and then see what you where you can tweak and what you can get good at and and what you whom, who can you celebrate with? Mm. So this whole Strava, Facebook Garmin stuff is pretty good. You know, I, I, I see no problem about doing that. About
0: getting and, out there and sharing it with those yeah. around you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And then don't be a fair weather runner. <laughs> enjoy enjoy what it's like when it's running when it's minus two and you've got to put a face mask on all sorts of things. Just see what that's like. Go and experience yeah. it. You might hate it, but at least you try it.
0: I always feel pretty proud of myself when I run in, the, in storms and stuff. And actually, once you're out there, it's awesome. I just don't like stepping into the rain. <laughs> but once uh, I'm out there, it's all good.
1: Yeah. Well, you're unfortunate. You'll probably get your hair wet, but I don't have any. So.
0: It gets naughty as well. So you really don't. You're not missing anything. It's so annoying.
1: <laughs> yes. You're running in the fog.
0: <laughs> yeah, I do
1: here. I, um, I, yeah. I think I'm to set up an event. You, you know, we our, our son just says, "Well, I'm going to get one or two people together, and we're we're just going to run from South Florida to Lagana. Yeah, and then Lagana, his partner picks him up, and they go off and have a drink. It's just a good thing.
0: Yeah, that's uh, quite common. I live just past Laguna. <laughs> um, running running into town and home from town has been a, a common thing in my past. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's quite fun." <laughs> Uh, uh, not in doing it with other people, of course, is also yeah really awesome.
1: And of course, be safe, be safe, be seen. I I um always wear bright colours. I often have a, on on my running belt a, a red light so people can oh. just flashing at the back like a bike does. I'm often known for somebody who might do a 21k run on a Saturday and go to the market and run down Sandy Bay Road with some irises for my wife. Uh,
0: That's so sweet.
1: Well, well, it's all fun, isn't it?
0: It is. It's just making it part of your life as well.
1: Yeah, Yeah. and I don't mind looking like a dickhead. I mean, I am normally, so why not?
0: (laughs) You may as well have the external. That's Not just uh, keeping it to yourself.
1: And I I, I do tell people, and this might be a bit trite, but I do say, I like sometimes like running to be seen. Yeah. And it's not. Necessary because I like to be sane. It's like saying, well, look, here's an old fart doing this. Why don't you do it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, you could do it as well. We talk quite a bit on the podcast over the years, especially the parents, about Mm. what that example gives to their children um, and how important that is, you know, right down to the DNA thing. Like if my dad runs or my mum runs, well, they're part of my DNA, you know, as a child. So, therefore, if I ever want to run, I could. You know, yeah. as opposed to people who go, I can't run.
1: Yeah. And I I don't take kindly to people who say they can't do something because mm-hmm. you can do anything. You
0: if, can really if, want
1: to. if you've got dicky knees, mm-hmm. you, can wear, you can wear braces. You can walk quickly. You can mm-hmm. be an expert at walking quickly up a hill with poles in your hand. Yeah. You can do water running you can yeah. do do anything and I think we you know Catherine and I have been examples to our children you know we have Matthew who's done four ultra men and I think he beat me a couple of times and but he is a lot younger okay <laughs> and no I shouldn't take that away from me he's 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 pretty awesome and he just he's the same he's just like I'm out here to have fun
0: yeah and
1: and then his grand, his daughter, who's 22, she's been to um, the World Championships in Hawaii, but mm-hmm. it was somebody who never, ever thought that you'd do an Ironman but ended up doing a couple in qualifying. His uh, youngest brother, he's tr- started off, his first run ever was uh, an Ironman. What? And then he did a 50-kilometre run that started at 2 o'clock in the morning you know, up to where the Ironman started, and... And we, oh, right. We did a the Mar Maramoo Marathon, which is in WA. It's a cross country marathon, forty four k's. You wow. have father and, and father and two sons, and that was look. It's pretty special when you can run with your kids, and they so let, good. they let you keep up. Yeah.
0: So what have you created? Really, <laughs> you're probably a perfect example of that. You know what you can example you can show your children, and that they can take some of that stuff on board.
1: I think I've created a monster, but I've also created—I'm um, pretty evil. In that,
0: uh.
1: our youngest son—we did a marathon in in uh, Perth. Uh, they have a very really big running club, and he has he has anxiety, and I knew this. Um, so the night before he's meditating, the morning before he's meditating, we're running to the to start the race, and it's just about to start, and I have to dash off to the toilet, and I get to the start line. With him, with about three seconds to go, and he, I got a lot of abuse, and <laughs> I deserved it. But it was like, I'm just saying, just chill. It's not, a, not a if you start a minute later than everybody else, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> and it, uh, <laughs> it was a game. It, I yeah.
0: think I would have been abusing Et. <laughs> uh,
1: but then I, I, I don't mind it because I deserved it.
0: That's, that would be one of my anxieties I think <laughs> it's like, no I don't want to be like no, no. anyway uh, so you alluded before that you're running well you're not running at the moment tell us a little bit about that
1: I have a um I had a back issue where I had um a, a new l four just put it um but I've had the back issue for a long long time but I've dealt with it through massage and through um heat packs and anti-inflammatories and so on, and lots and lots of injections, Um, but then got to a point where I had to do something about that Mm -hmm. um, I was losing sensation in the left leg, which I have lost for a while, but anyway, stopped me running. Um, The neck issue is more, I think it's familial, so Mm -hmm. I blame my mum for that. Um, I shouldn't really, but it's just the, the structures in my neck aren't that great, so I ended up having... Some renovations done in Melbourne, so I was asleep. You know, six down one side one day, six down the next, the next day. Two days after that, I travelled up to Cairns because i registered for the um, Cairns Ironman because I'm I'm probably known as Mr Registration. Okay. I'll register for something, then say, "Oh, that's coming up. How am I going to do that?" Um, so I take it seriously. Not. Mm-hmm. And um, but when I got there, my neck was swollen and it was it was they had what they'd done is they should have kept me awake when they did the denovations and okay. then actually not caused the damage that they did. So that's been four years of um chronic pain. Um mm-hmm. I, I've now with much with my wife's great guidance, I have a really good plan mm-hmm. and it will be in the next couple of weeks I'll start getting back on the bike and swimming and running. Mm-hmm. Um I've been told that I can't run, um, but I'm I'm thinking more and more that where I get my absolute joy when I do exercise is running
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm going to do that.
0: Okay. I think that's a good plan. Yeah. Sensibly, and, but it's a good plan. You Obviously, both of you have medical backgrounds now and stuff, so you know what you're doing. <laughs>
1: yeah. So it starts off with, you know, bushwalking this weekend with yeah. a couple of people for two or three days and, I've done that before and that's been fine, Um, so I think I can run. Um, My my weight has come down to where I want to be. You know, what am I now, 71 kilos Mm -hmm. and I'm 174 centimetres, so my BMI is okay. But normally I wouldn't worry about that. If you're starting exercise, I just it's about how you start. Mm. So mine will be, um, as Craig used to say to us, Craig Percival would be, you do run, walk. So yeah. I would run for nine minutes at a pace and then walk mm-hmm. for a minute and then run walk. Now, he did that method in the Ultraman in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is an 84K run in Hawaii, and that's all he did. And, you know, unfortunately, Jakey got picked to the post. But um, but he came second. And, um, that's
0: still amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's why I think, you know, having a plan about what does your body want, and sometimes your body once so in an Ironman, in a running part of the Ironman, it was a marathon is every two kilometers, a drink station. So, why can't you run, then walk quickly, and then run and walk quickly? So, you pace it out. And I think if that's what your body needs, then you just do it. Yeah. Don't, don't ever think that you have to do something because the script says you must run 21 kilometers. Well, sometimes life gets in the way. You know? Yeah. Our first, it's just, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to and get into trouble. Catherine and my first marathon was a Cadbury marathon. Yeah, we did. We did it together. We did four hours fifteen, mm-hmm. and we had seven way stops.
0: Oh, wow, that's six, a few.
1: Six of them were Catherine's.
0: Uh, <laughs> no, you probably shouldn't have said that.
1: But... No. <laughs> no, but for Catherine, it was like she just want that was what you needed to do and so yeah. you just go with it and I ran with people who grumbled and complained and uh and it's it must be so hard to to to, to do that
0: mm.
1: um whereas you know I just just enjoying it if, you, if it's if it's hurting too much, talk to your body and just say my body's hurting now so in two lampposts time, I can make a choice to walk, mm-hmm. and I will walk quickly because I've done it in training. So you practice it in training, do it in a race, but you always give yourself your mind to, to, to control your feet, not the other way around. Yeah. So don't stop until you've made a conscious decision to stop two, three, whatever, things ahead.
0: Yeah, I love that. Do you, what kind of goals do you have? Do you have any goals at the moment for your... Recovery.
1: Um. Yeah, I've got a half Ironman to do in February.
0: So you've registered already? As yeah, you yeah. Before you're the registered.
1: <laughs> i registered. Yeah, I registered last year and decided to pull out. And um, it's only the second race I've withdrawn from, but that's okay. okay. Um. So and this year, if if I'm not fit enough for swimming, biking, or running, I'll go into it, make it into a teams and do it, I'll train with people and we'll just change it around and I'm kind of roping my, do- my wife and my granddaughter in as backstops, but they don't know that yet.
0: Oh, well, hopefully they won't uh, listen to this. They won't know still.
1: <laughs> always going to have a plan B.
0: <laughs> Got your back because,
1: up. <laughs> because what do, so what do you do if you wake up in the morning and you just feel, like I did on my 10th Ironman in my hometown in Wales, which is the first time I'd ever been back. We, Catherine and I both had viruses and oh. Catherine decided to stay home because she's a nurse and smart. I'm a nurse, stupid, and so I went and I did the race. And it wasn't a great race, but I, my main aim there was to do the race in my hometown. Yeah. I didn't care where I finished. Um, and yet the next day, you know, antibiotics, coughing my lungs up, and but that's, that's I shouldn't have done it. Um, really, I mean, it's. To, to do endurance or any sort of forced exercise when you've got a virus is not the smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. That would be my strong advice <laughs> that I that I don't follow.
0: <laughs> that's isn't that that's one of those things that my friends and I have sometimes talked to, who are mostly nurses that I run with, which is odd, um, mm. and doctors. The when you run with a cold versus a virus, sometimes that can get the cold through your system a little faster, just because you're coughing up your. You know, I don't know, you're moving things through. I, don't know. I think
1: I don't know. that sounds like an excuse.
0: We're making it up because we're all addicted to running. So, yeah.
1: so. <laughs> I, I, I certainly have a qualifier at the end. Is there any medical advice program? Yep. Should correct. be taken with a pinch of salt. <laughs>
0: yes, this is not medical advice. Go and ask your dentist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have no idea what we're doing. No. Um, so how long do you think that you'll run for? It's a question I ask most people. Like in their lives, like, do you think is running going to be a part of your life for how long?
1: Well, if you consider that I started at 50
0: mm-hmm. and now I'm 67,
1: I don't know, I just keep going. Yeah. Why, why not? I'll always be moving forward um, while I can. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I probably envisage there may be a, a Zimmer frame race one day, which I will win.
0: I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, that almost sounds like a triathlon, doesn't it, with like little wheels on the Yes.
1: I mean, uh, there's nothing more pleasurable than putting your shoes on and thinking, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this. Going for a run, give yourself five minutes and then see how you feel. Hmm. And you will do at least 10 because you've got to run five minutes back home. And then a ten minute runs nothing, so you may as well go fifteen. Half exactly. hour run, that's <laughs> <I> okay.
0: So <can. laughs> How um, sometimes I ask people if they've got any tips for that motive, the daily motivation to get out the door. We were talking a little bit before about you know when the weather's a bit ordinary outside, or you just had a bad night, you know whatever you didn't sleep enough, or maybe you imbibed too much the day before, the night before. We had a couple of. Yeah, glasses of wine or something but anyway you're not feeling like it what kind of what do you say to yourself in those circumstances how do you get yourself out the door are there any tips
1: yeah um I always have my gear ready yep what well, if if, I, if I'm really committed that I have my gear ready mm-hmm. then I think about before I go to bed what am I going to have in the morning yeah so it's usually a, a coffee and a little bit of oats or something. Yeah. um then I, if it's if I have been imbibing I would have made the decision before that I'm' it's, it's not it is you don't want to do dead miles yeah there's no point doing dead
0: miles I haven't heard that term before
1: well it's about doing it's about doing the running for the sake of running rather than for the sake of actually getting any improvement mm-hmm so if it's going to be crap run because I'm dehydrated from alcohol and I'm not pretty sure how I'm running um, mm-hmm. and it's not focused, then there's no point doing it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some, I talked to some of you about this the other day, you know, as, as a coach, you there's programs you can follow that mm-hmm. tells you what you should be doing if you're a 50-year-old who's never run before and what to do this. Well, they're not designed around the ordinary human being who works 40 to 50 hours a week and has a family. Mm. So you've got to decide the time you put in to the plan has to be those A, those A things, those A runs. You then have the B runs that aren't that critical if you don't do them. Mm-hmm. Then you have the C runs of the fun things to do. So as so long as you during your week you say, Well, actually, I'm going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, 10 kilometers and then on Sunday there's a group run but I don't like that group because they go too fast so I'll do a Saturday run with another group um they're your a but then your B becomes could be the Sunday run like if they're running the pipeline track or something mm-hmm. and they love to talk and that's good but then they have two hours of coffee after which you go well that's a waste of time <laughs> so, so, you, you always do the bit that goes, going to give you the greatest benefit.
0: Yeah. And,
1: make, and decide that sometimes it's, just, sometimes it's the, the, what you're doing the night before is more important than the run you're doing in the morning.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Mm.
1: It, sorry, that's just the way I look. Mm. Um, so, I, I often have meetings at seven o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. um, coaching meetings, like business coaching meetings. Yeah. So, therefore, I wouldn't, on those mornings, I, I'll probably be selective about mm-hmm. which mornings I might go for a run at five o'clock. Yeah. And it might only be a half hour run. Mm-hmm. If I'm meeting somebody that I really need to get deep and meaningful with and I'm feeling a bit sluggish in the head, then I would go for a short run.
0: So you use it then as a yeah. as a preparing. Yeah, do. absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. And to so help you focus. And mm. but sometimes but then I don't want to go to a meeting yawning, going, talking to a CEO going <laughs> Yeah. yeah.
0: So dist- distance is really important in that case, like if you're using your running in order to focus, as you yeah. said. Um, yeah, that's really interesting as well.
1: So I have a good friend who he he manages his life by the minute. Mm-hmm. And he says, I've got 18 minutes to go for a run. And you go, I know they're going to be quality 18 minutes. We're not going to muck around at the beginning. Yeah. We're going to do what we said we're going to do. And then when we come back, it's like he's going to go home.
0: Well, no coffee because he's only got eight
1: minutes. Yeah. And for me, that keeps me in control. It's great.
0: Mm, yeah. No, oh, I love that.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, with with Catherine, when we were doing Ironman training, we'd go for a 150-kilometre bike ride mm-hmm. on a Sunday, and Catherine would have a little sticky note, and that was for after we got over 100 k's. And she said, well, I've heard enough about the jabberish about whether men should shave or nair or... <laughs> <laughs> do it wax their legs <laughs> and then we go on to like here's some things we need to talk about but then when it got to 120 k's she'd say no the next 30 k's is just redundant i don't need to do them i'm going home okay <laughs> and it wasn't because she was tired hungry aboard she just says well all you're doing is you're just rolling and you're going in a peloton we don't do peloton in in iron man so she goes, I'm not going to do it, and that's fine. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's really disciplined around that. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest lesson is the, I guess, the wasted miles. Mm. Don't, don't do them. To they
0: value don't, your time.
1: Yeah, they don't do yeah. you any good. But mm. like when I said I ran to Blackman's Bay and Bank, that wasn't wasted because it really helped me clear my head because something was grumbling inside me that I wasn't happy with and I didn't know what it was. I figured it out by the time I came back.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, if I hadn't have done, Catherine would sent me out again. So,
0: <laughs> It sounds like running for you has been a really good tool, like in your personal life and your business life. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yes, absolutely. It's really, uh, yeah, uh, um, particularly when you, uh, I'm absolutely excited by fat. Okay. I, I, I like. <laughs> I like junk food. <laughs> Give me a pizza any time of the day. And but that's not healthy and, and it's not good for the long term. Mm. And and i mean, I could live for a long, long time and eat fat, but I'd probably end up with, you know, some factor X or some debilitating disease that I, I yeah, don't think
0: so you would be uncomfortable, you'd be in pain, you'd be all sorts of other yeah. stuff. So and not happy. Yeah. Not happy, probably.
1: And, and I remember um, Billy Conley once said in one of his um, jokes, I guess it was, or anecdotes about life, was saying he doesn't understand why people exercise so much so that they can live two weeks longer, but it's <laughs> the wrong end of your life. <laughs> and I took that to heart and saying, well, actually, I do want to live longer. I think, uh, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be a liability for anybody if I can help it. Because I mean, so we work in the health field, and you can see so many people who, you know, they they wish they had a different life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah. at the end of the day, and I don't know the answer to this, but are they are they happier than the runners?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I do know that getting out, moving forward, and being with other people people is you talk about mindfulness it is mm. really good for the mind
0: it's so good for the mind there's a lot of people in the podcast especially in the early days of the podcast would say that they started running to lose weight a little mm. bit like you did um, but they still run now say 20 30 years later or whatever because of the people they met like they run because they've developed networks and community around that, and they love that. And as you said, uh, that is amazing for longevity for us, for our mindset, for how we feel about who we are. Um, Community is a big part of that. Um, So if you can combine it with your exercise and you're giving your body and your emotional state um, a little bit of love, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, and and the other thing is the clothing, don't
0: forget. Oh, yes, clothing's really good, good.
1: you've got to have (laughs) – I mean, I – I, I'm just amazed at so many people who who start running with poor shoes. Mm. And I'm not saying, you know, Hawk is the greatest band or whatever, but having good footwear where you feel comfortable yeah. is really important, mm-hmm. but also recognising that they wear out.
0: What? It was only because of the podcast and other people kept telling me they wear more than one pair of shoes at a time. Like I've been running for 20 plus years. <laughs> 30 yeah. years and now, uh, now I've got four pairs at the moment on the go. <laughs> yeah. Prior to that, I hadn't I was so really, silly. yeah, I know,
1: so silly. But you probably you didn't wear Dunlop volleys, did you? Or something?
0: No, oh, no, oh, yeah. and no. people did, then, shoes.
1: And, they, and they said, you know, the the, the was it badness to set the, the four minute mile in a in Dunlop volleys? And they're coming back into fashion, by the way. Oh, nice. But and also recognizing there is a lot of fashion shoes that aren't good for you. So mm. if you want to start running or walking fast or whatever, talk talk to runners. Mm. I have a particular pair of shoes that unfortunately don't fit me now, but they were ones I used to run in up the mountain because i was able to run on my on my toes. Yeah, but I don't wear them on the flat.
0: Yeah,
1: and specific
0: I- shoes for specific terrain and.
1: Where
0: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I
1: think, and and that's also that's an excitement for me. I like I like buying clothes and you know, I've got lots of flashy shirts and stuff, but I also like dressing down. So when I often run, I would wear um triathlon shorts. And, okay. and Why would you do that? Well, you can get really thin chamois, but you know, f- for blokes who sweat down that area, um, you, you don't end up getting um, chafed. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. I'd never even thought about that. I might tell my husband that. Anyway, <laughs> he might like that. Yeah. Well, Peter, it's been awesome. I've kept you for ages, but a couple of things I wanted to ask you before we wrap up. I shouldn't move so far away from the microphone. Um, what do you think, like what do you think running in particular has given your life that maybe you would have missed out on had you not taken to this triathlon running Life of yours. I mean, apart from the kilos, of course.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I've got felt svelte figure. <laughs> I don't have. But um, what has it given me? Given me closest to my, my wife.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's given me an outlet for stress. It's mm-hmm. given me a really, really good opportunity to think and to think and to think. Yeah. And that's whether it's about work or life. How
0: important do you think that is? Sorry to dwell on that one thing, that mm. thinking thing. Like is, are we not alone? Because it's one of my pet peeves is that we're not alone with ourselves very much unless we do something like yeah. these
1: endeavours. Well, I, I think it's, um, we can, you know, the, the brain is a wonderful thing for catastrophizing things and for making things bigger than what they really are. So you get an opportunity to put things into perspective, um, to look at the importance of a particular feeling that you might have and go, well, sure, it's not, but is it as important as what I'm making it? Um, So you go for a run. And by the time you come back, usually an answer has trickled down somewhere, whether the answer is by the running or by the connection with people or the community. I don't. It's different for each each person. But it's certainly... um, can decrease the, the distress one has around negative thoughts. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't I guess I don't go with that in mind. But usually, yeah. I, I, I think about a lot of things. I'm not a person. I am. I'm an advocate for not wearing earbuds. Mm-hmm. For two reasons: one is the music distracts you from your thinking, mm-hmm. and the other one is it's unsafe because mm-hmm. you. If you wear earbuds like I do, I can't hear a thing. <laughs> I have tinnitus permanently, so wow. I, I um, wear earbuds to try and decrease that noise. Yeah. But um, I just think they're unsafe, and and in triathlon you're not allowed to wear them. And I think it's fantastic. I think every race you shouldn't be allowed to wear them because it actually to me takes away the joy of the running. I know people use um, earbuds when they're listening to fantastic podcasts like yours. <laughs> <laughs> and you should only listen to your podcast. Um,
0: that would be but, okay. That's acceptable.
1: That's okay. That's acceptable. <laughs> but but otherwise, you know, how do you actually mull over the machinations of the world and the feelings that you're having when you're running if you're distracted by headphones or earbuds? I, I don't know. Some people swear by it. Mm. That's good. Um, but so, so yes, I use it for thinking. I use it for problem-solving. Um, sometimes I use it to calm down the ideas that I have. I've always I've got a brain that goes a million miles an hour about I'm, I'm Virgo, so I have so many ideas. and um and I so I use that to switch, turn that volume down a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I enjoy exercise is good because I enjoy more so enjoy the finishing. But I enjoy starting. Okay. Um, Starting anything is a commitment, and when you can make a commitment to yourself, that's actually hard for a lot of us to do. Mm. I can make a commitment to you, therefore I'll probably keep it. If I make a commitment to myself, I'll probably justify why I'm not going to do it. So that resolution is actually an important step in getting in touch with who you really are. Of mm. being truthful to yourself. Yeah. And I think that's probably a bit, a bit deep, but that's kind of where I think it is.
0: Yeah. No, I love that because then once you start, you've, that, you've lived up to that commitment to yourself and mm. that speaks volumes to yourself. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and You value yourself in your own.
1: That's right. And yeah. but to me, I think that's a truism that I've just made up on the spot, but I think it's quite. It's very
0: it, profound. Yes, okay.
1: It has some validity. Um, then, uh, then I think yes, I think going with other people is has a, has a great sense of worth as well. Um, and yeah, and I guess going back to what Catherine said, is I do, you know, work in the healthcare area. I do want to live. I do want to live a full life. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do. I'm not of any particular religion, so I'm probably agnostic. And and I, but I do know that there's something there is something uplifting in running, yeah, or doing something different to what you're normally doing, whether that's you know being a cat potato and then deciding mm-hmm. to go for a walk. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter what pace you're going, it's about just getting out and doing something that's the uplifting part, mm. and yes we will never be as good as everybody else, but I only compare myself to the commitment I've made to myself. Yeah. And so if I've let myself down, I analyse why that is and go, well, okay, 94 reasons why, none of them valid, lift your game tomorrow.
0: Move on. (laughs) Hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's where it is true is about being true to yourself. But also probably something I haven't spoken about is, just being damn lucky that we live in a country where we can do this Mm -hmm. and we're not running away from tigers and we're not running away from bombs and we're not running to go and get water. We're just doing this because of the pure sense of I choose to do this. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. There's a big part. Anybody who's done any travelling outside of um, the, what's the word, not into the third third world, but into the other countries that are not. Yeah. What's the word for Australia and America and but we're not lucky countries, Australia. Yeah, all those countries. Yeah. there's a word for it. Anyway, um, yes, if you travelled outside of those, you knew all have witnessed what it's like to to live in a in places where life isn't as easy, mm. basically, and yeah. uh, and your daily things are are still around survival. They're not around choosing to go for a run. <laughs> That makes
1: sense. Right. Yeah. And so I, I guess I, going back to your mindfulness uh, work, is that I, I think exercise of any sort, running in particular, you've got the opportunity to be, for you to choose to be the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. You can make that choice. And making that choice is a bloody awesome thing to do.
0: It is. Hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. Hmm. Well, obviously, so- I love it. I have a whole podcast about it. I think
1: oh, <laughs> yeah. We, we do a lot of work in trauma, um, and and so a lot of trauma is actually um, how do I put it? Is for a lot of people, is not understood it by themselves. they're subconscious, yeah. um, especially when it's up to the age of ten. And when you take the cohort of people out for a run, they start to kind of delve into that past. And then start to rewire the brain around the great stuff, the mm-hmm. good stuff. We've said hopefully over time overcomes some of the the negative things that the subconsciously they didn't even know about. So it can change it can change behaviour, mm. and that is great.
0: That's amazing. Really, it's just mm. um, it's using the things that we've always had but don't know how to use that makes sense and being able to tap into those. I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah. I, do
0: too. So, I love it. Hmm. Well, Peter, I have. we could talk for hours and hours and hours. We already have. Um, <laughs> and it's been amazing. Is there anything, and there probably is heaps, but is there anything about running that we haven't talked about or touched on that you want to share before we wrap up?
1: Uh, only a pretty dark side of running, I guess.
0: No, is- there's no dark sides of running. No, well, keep going. I'm sure there I is. Think,
1: <laughs> I, I think for people is find... Find people who you aspire to be or you enjoy being around and run with them, Mm -hmm. walk with them. Ask them to take you for a walk rather than a run. Mm. Don't get caught up in the hype. There's a lot of crap out there and a lot of stuff around because, you know, it's like one and one does not necessarily make two. So people um, eat paleo and they wear rubber tires on their feet and and they do magnificent running so therefore we should all go paleo well there's a bit in the middle there where they drink a shared load of alcohol i would rather go (laughs) have the alcohol (laughs) so somehow someone's written the book and and anyway that's just connections
0: are a little bit loose between some of those
1: things yes yes and so i would look at people like yourselves and look at like um Pat Farmer. Yeah, at he's, been, the, the... he's
0: been on the podcast, by the way. Oh, I've had right, Pat Farmer on the podcast.
1: Right. And look at some of the fantastic endurance runners we have and coaches we have around Tasmania itself. You know, running's been around Tasmania for a long, long time. You know, Stan was here with back in the 70s, and Peter Hoskins has written a whole story about what they've done. And one of them, which is quite funny, if I may, is this um, Belgian runner, was um, running down, he'd done running down at Port Arthur. So they did a, it's called Run Around Tasmania. And he he had run down there, then up on the East Coast, and then he got to Cradle Mountain. And he'd been told to train for mountain running. And he said he didn't do too well, because his running up mountain training in Belgium was to run up a bridge that was 30 metres high. (laughs) He he didn't realise what hills were. 'Cause Belgium is flat. And I think that even just sharing those stories um and if Adult ever adult ed ever comes back, get into endurance running. Because running endurance running helps any running. Yeah. So friends of mine have been masters rowers doing two-minute yeah. races. Mm-hmm. They do endurance exercise for their sprint. And it, to me if you can run or walk and still talk to somebody without being too puffy, that's the pace you should be doing. Mm-hmm. You won't get many injuries. Go and have a great massage. Go and enjoy a great company mm-hmm.
0: and live, live a long life. Yeah, I love that. And live it comfortably, like not with, you know, pains and things like that. That's
1: Yeah, and I think sometimes you've got to make pain your friend. It is there. But there's a lot more pain sitting down doing nothing and then realizing that you've got emphysema.
0: I should have said illness rather than pain.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? Illness with that illness, word. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got no words today. No, luckily, you've got heaps, so it's good.
1: Well, I'm hoping I haven't spoken too much. but I'm.
0: No, you've spoken awesome. I love it. I just, I, you know, some days when the words, you've got the words, they are not coming out of your mouth.
1: You yes. need to go
0: for a run. <laughs> I've had a run today. <laughs> I run oh. every day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm doing streak running at the moment. I have to run two Ks every day, and I'm training to do an ultra, so I don't. I often run more than two kilometers in a day, but yeah, so I run every day.
1: Well, I think that's great. And my, my most fun running when I was training from the 84 K runs was to do ten um, Ks in the morning, six eight, six Ks in the afternoon, and this measly four Ks in the, in the evening. <laughs> And the four Ks, you get so out of your, you're so wobbly and you're so out of your zone. It's actually going. How can a four K run do this? And actually, how can a four do this? And you go, and it's it's there. That's, yeah. where, that's where the the gold is. You learn so much about yourself.
0: Mm. That that's what my uh, my coach has told me that I'll be doing two runs a day soon. So, so.
1: and go. then do three.
0: She hasn't said that but maybe.
1: <laughs> uh, I will. I'd suggest that those days get somebody else to cook tea. Yes,
0: actually, I actually have installed that recently. I'm very proud of myself. Um I'm getting off 3 nights a week now, so I'm
1: very happy. Well, it's it's a human being's life to feed themselves, I reckon. And so on those days when you have to do a lot of running, we used to do FFYS, you know, fend for yourself.
0: I love it. I'm going to do that. Yeah. I yeah. Do. <laughs> It's beautiful. <laughs> um, before we go, don't don't go uh once we get off anyway, I'll say goodbye to you off the recording, of course. But before we go, I always ask everybody for some tips for beginner runners. I feel like you've sprinkled a few through anyway. But if there was um just a handful that you well, obviously being having, you know, being running coach, you'd have a few anyway. It's not a typical, not a Challenging question for you, but what would you say to someone that come to you and say, Pete, I want to start running? Yeah.
1: I'd find out the why Mm -hmm. and look at what people's expectations are. Mm -hmm. So what do you you, why would you want to run? You know, is it is it do you have and then I look at do you do you have the time in your day to run? So remember when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Mm -hmm. I want to know what are you saying no to? And is that no acceptable within your within your family life? Because running is selfish. Mm. And you have to say, I'm saying yes to this, but I'm saying no to that. So a bit like yourself, you know, mm. I'm going this, but hey, you guys are cooking tea. Yeah. Some families that's not acceptable. So um I think you've got to find out what are they giving up? Yeah. What are they prepared to give up? And then say, is is running part of the um, psyche of your family, Mm -hmm. because if you're not coming from a running family and you're the first person to run, that can be a demotivator in itself. You're going to come back, yay, joy, full of stuff, and the family's going to go, oh, just turn the television on. And So are you going to get the feedback that you want? Mm -hmm. Um, So then if it's for weight loss, I'd say, well, first thing to do is to Let's just get fit for, for weight loss. So let's do some walking. Let's do some hill climbing. Let's do some back. Put a backpack on with some you know, cans of baked beans in, and do that first. Get yourself, your body, your hips prepared for that. And then I'd ask them about Are they do they have the finance or are they prepared to do some remedial work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: such as having a massage and whatever. And who around them can they talk to about what's working, what's not working? that's the
0: way I work. I love that. That's um, like a lot of people come at it, and there's no right right or wrong answers, but with, you know, shoes and, and go yeah. running, you know, join Parkrun or whatever. So whereas yours is, is even more getting into your head and working out why you're doing it and, and do you have the support systems around you even before you start, before you buy a pair of shoes. So really interesting. So thank yeah. you for that. It's great to have a, another perspective.
1: That's okay because we... But I mean, we, we personally as coaches want people to succeed, but I'd never mm. take anybody on if it's a failure. Yeah. Because I don't want people to fail. No. I want them to be the best version of themselves. So let's find out what's working for you. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah, and no, I love that. Thanks, Peter. Now you're not doing coaching anymore at the moment. Is that what you said before? You're focusing on your um Are yeah. oh, you always doing some coaching?
1: No, i always find time. Mm-hmm. You know, but um my focus is on some social enterprises that we do Um But, you know, if anybody wants me to coach them, just give me a call. I'll probably charge them nothing, but uh, it's okay.
0: I'll put the details. I'll talk to you in a minute. and can put some details into the show notes if you want as well.
1: If you wish, yeah. But it's not about that. It's about no. I'm actually quite interested, and we'll go to listen to your, your podcasts. I'm quite <laughs> interested in the mindfulness part because it is, all about
0: the noggin it is all our life actually is we eventually work that out i think
1: (laughs) eventually just takes time all right
0: peter it has been awesome like i said don't jump off but a big thank you for sharing so many good goodness so much goodness in there it was uh, very inspiring um loved listening to you could just keep listening to you for another couple of hours but you know got to get on and do some other things so thank you for sharing all of that i really appreciate it
1: No problem. Thank you too. I loved it, Michelle.
0: Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. Send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. I also wanted to let you know that I've created an email list so you won't miss any podcast episodes. You'll find details in the show notes and on the Fit Mind Fit Body website along with a bunch of resources on mindful running. They'll help you to get and stay mentally and physically fit. And I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running and ultimately to improve their life. See you soon.